Welcome to this uh, episode of the Down the Pub podcast. Um, on this episode, we are going to be looking back at the momentous victory against Valor last Friday. Um, of course, Gary's here as always. Happy Thanksgiving, Gary. Happy Thanksgiving, mate. How was your turkey? Uh, I, d- I didn't get to have any. Uh, my my turkey dinner this year consisted of the holiday pizza from uh, Pete's. It was like a place, the one, in Bedf- the one in Bedford has a place called The Wedge. And to do a holiday pizza, and it's uh, it's actually fucking really good. It sounds Mate, weird. Huge divorce dad vibes. I, I, I know it's fucking, it's so fucking weird. It's like <laughs> turkey and gravy on a fucking pizza. It should be disgusting, but it's actually not too bad. So, and then they give you like a little cranberry sauce thing to go on top of it. Pizza. Yeah, it is totally divorce dad stuff though. It's like sitting on my own on a Saturday, just <laughs> feeling feeling bad for myself. But uh, yeah. So how about you? Did you get to uh? indulge in any uh turkey stuff no i'm a vegetarian mate i i, I stay clear of the old meat but, so... but, don't, they, but don't they call it like tofurkey I've, tof- I've tried i've tried that one it's a little bit dry that one is and it comes in like it looks like a yuletide log and then it's stuffed with stuffing and it's not it's not great i tend to stay away from the veggie meats as much as possible and i'd probably make like a lentil patty or something like that but but yeah i, I did not i did not do the whole the whole Thanksgiving dinner thing, so I missed well, out. I think. Well, it looked like the Wanderers uh, had a had a good old hearty meal. Uh, Missy was doing her uh, her her kitchen again uh, today. I saw the uh, the pictures on on Instagram. It looked fucking amazing, to be honest. Yeah, it did. Yeah, she, yeah. I, I imagine she's a wonderful cook because she has a lot of repeat customers. Like the five years Wanderers have been going, I feel like every player has kind of been adopted by her as a surrogate mother. Um, while her two actual sons sit in the stand watching the games as well. So yeah, she didn't give them any turkey dinner. It was just uh, the players that got it. Um, they actually just got like a, a plate of beans on toast. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they were they were like given like like mouldy bread and water in, in the corner of the changing room. <laughs> sit down, boys. Does the, does the players just throw their scraps up in the corner? <laughs> Oh dear. Well, yeah. It obviously, like we we were supposed to do a, an episode last week for the the Forge game, and um, uh, unfortunately, like uh, bits and pieces came up, so we kind of <laughs> didn't get a chance to do it. But uh, we did get like a host of really good questions, which we will go over later on. And um, but just I just wanted to kind of get your thoughts real quick on that game before we get into uh, the Valor game. So, what did we do right? Do you think like uh, it was a it was a really good performance? It was probably one of our best of the season. I thought. Mm, I mean, to be honest, I've only watched the first half of it because um, I was at a wedding that day. Uh, I feel, I feel, I feel weirdly like emotionally disconnected from that game because because I wasn't there and because I'm aware just from like reading stuff and kind of 
the game state, the result, what it meant, that must have been an incredibly emotionally charged game. And I feel like I haven't earned it because I didn't go through the ringer with everyone else. Like my experience <laughs> with that game was leaving my apartment to go to the wedding when it was one nil, checking my phone just before the ceremony and it was one all and checking it again afterwards and it was game over and with one, two, one. And obviously I was very happy about it, but it was kind of in the middle of all this other stuff that was going on. Um, so I don't feel like I, I don't feel like I've earned those emotional scars that the rest of you did from, from that game. Um, but obviously delighted we we won it. And I'd, I'd say the thing that impressed me most from watching the replay was just how much we are on Forge's level now. I, I think like we've always had a bit of a... Uh, they've, they've, they've looked so much better than us pretty much every time we've ever played them at the grounds. And to be on their level now and to be stylistically quite similar to them, it was really interesting seeing how we nullified each other. Because I feel like us and Forge both kind of build centrally and want to play through central areas. And both of us kind of squeeze each other a lot during the first half that I watched anyway. Like we were playing a high line. They were playing a high line. Our goalkeeper was playing very high. Their goalkeeper was playing very high. So there was basically no space. It was all kind of happening in the middle of a congested pitch. And it all came down to which technical players could actually carve out space in that situation. Like Lorenzo was the master at it. And it just became a game of details and it became a game of who can find their spare man. Because when when everyone's man-to-man on the pitch like that, when there's not much space, you're always just trying to find, okay, where's the spare man? How do we find him? Um, and I feel like we just about edged it. And it's been great this season watching us go toe-to-toe with them. Because yeah, they're, they're the standard bear, aren't they? And being honest with you, like, there's not been really anybody who we've been dominated by or you'd look at and go, like, geez, they're levels above. Because, I mean, like, like Calvary like, finished, what, 13 points clear of everybody else, but or 10 points, wherever it was. But they, like, when we played them at the grounds, didn't look anything like... Uh, we had to be afraid of like I thought we went toe to toe with them, you know, like it was uh, very close games and stuff like that. So that's been a huge difference this year too, hasn't it? Like how we've definitely closed the gap massively, massively. And I think a lot of that comes down to being kind of it's always difficult to have these conversations because it like to talk to compare the past with the present. It's always like, does this sound like we're having a dig at Stephen Hart? And it's not that, and it's it's never going to be that. But like I just feel like we are tactically a bit more sophisticated now and we have better players as well like the recruitment's really improved as well so we've really really closed the gap and we're we're kind of we could we could win the playoffs we're like we're in that mixer now aren't we we're in that bunch of teams that are all good enough to win it if if luck goes their way and if they get the details right the only team I've seen I've been able to kind of have our number a little bit has been York Uh, whatever Martin Nash does just seems to work really well against us. Um so like obviously looking at the the, the playoffs like we we going to obviously play Pacific or or York would you prefer to play Pacific because York has kind of had our number a couple of times? Or do you oh, not I, care? I don't know cuz no I do care but I don't know <laughs> like I know I care but I don't know how I I don't know which way I care like I think you can make an argument for both because Pacific have beaten us at the grounds this season as well. They haven't they haven't beaten us twice like York has um but yeah York just have this weird little hoodoo over us and I uh, only at the grounds though because we beat them really comfortably in the last away game so and the Pacific they haven't been good for a long time Pacific but I, I always worry about them more more so when we're playing them away to be honest but there's something about them that I always worry about Manny Aparicio is 
absolutely wonderful little player, little little dickhead, I think. But he's a wonderful little player. <laughs> um, making friends of another tiny, yep. one, uh, tiny CPL midfielder. Yeah, alienated Anthony Bassett. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, both both of them, both of them are beatable. And the good thing is, finishing third means that they're playing at eleven p.m. on Wednesday night. So for whatever team we play. They're not getting much sleep Wednesday to Thursday, probably traveling Thursday evening or Friday morning. And you just got to hope there's that little bit of a, an advantage for us because they'll be tired. Yeah, I, I mean, it's um, I, I wouldn't know which way to go either, too. I think like I I, I think I prefer Pacific, to be honest, like I, like obviously uh, Angaro hasn't had the season that everybody thought he was going to be. And I think that's been a kind of a little bit of a setback for them that they were expecting him to hit like 10, 15 goals, wherever it is that you'd expect him to score. So that's kind of being a bit of a, a downer for them. But there's just something about York um, that whenever they come to Halifax, maybe it's the fact that they're just, they're just up for it because the grounds is full and it's a good atmosphere and all that kind of stuff, right? So um, mm. it's definitely going to be interesting. And it's just it's just wonderful that we have like the, the opportunity to talk about it. And we're not like Valor right now, like just looking at a wooden spoon, like, Jesus, like they're... <laughs> They they just kind of imploded. So, but the the problem with well, not a problem, but the thing with um with Valerie is they've got some really decent players. They just like it's it's like they're a lot miles away from where they need to be. Like the game was a really good game. Mm. Yeah, it's it's really difficult playing there because the surface is awful. You can yeah. just you just see when players play like five yards square passes to each other. It's bobbling all over the place. So. I mean, especially for a team like us that likes to kind of play through the lines, it's less than ideal. So it's a really, and I, I think they've they've got like quite a few good technical players as well who probably would rather not be playing on that surface week in week out. So I think I think that is a hindrance to them, but it also makes it a difficult place to go because they're they're going to be more used to that surface than any away team is because they probably train on it once during the week they play on it every other week so yeah it's difficult to play there and they're just they're just a weird club aren't they they just feel they just feel a bit nothingy and every like every little noise that you that gets leaked about them is never positive like having open warfare with their own supporters this season like the marketing department and the supporters it's just and i like i do I do understand where both sides are coming from there. Like if you're working in that marketing department, you're probably like, I'm doing the best I can do within with our resources. And if you're the supporters, you're like, well, well, I can't see any visibility for this club around the city. And yeah, it's just, I hope, I hope they sort themselves out because in the first season, they used to get quite good crowds, didn't they? They yep. used to get like five, 6,000 sometimes. So you want them to kind of join us and Ottawa and Cavalry now and Forge who are getting kind of the four to 6,000 supporters in. And I think there's a the potential there for them to do it. But yeah, they need they need a team that has a good season, I think. And then it might snowball. Yeah, like the I think that the part of the issue is, is that because they're owned by the same group as the Blue Bombers, the Blue Bombers obviously have a way bigger budget and the marketing budget so they like you know that stadium is usually pretty full when the blue armors are there so you've got like 40 odd thousand whatever it's, it's a huge stadium and then it drops down to four or five when or four wherever it is like when it valor are playing so it's a, it's a huge difference and it, it i just it just feels like that the the blue bombers are just like carrying the team and it's like that's the kind of perception probably as well that like um if the blue bombers pull the plug well then 
the team's going to go to shit and nobody's going to want to pick it up. You know what I mean? It, it just, mm. it, they were kind of, they kind of had to use that stadium, but at the same time, it's probably the biggest crutch that they have because it just doesn't look like, as you said, the surface looks terrible. Like, I mean, it's always kind of sparse because like now, like it just seems like just fans kind of spaced out along that side. Mm-hmm. So it's not like they're all kind of tightly compact together. <laughs> so it's, it's just, a, it's just an odd thing, but they, they do have some fantastic players and, um, it, yeah, it just always just seems like they're just kind of the way we were, like you know, just a couple of steps away from where they they, they should be, kind of thing. You know, it's kind of, it's kind of sad. But uh, looking looking at the game, um, like obviously we came into this one with needing some under twenty one minutes, so we we started with with, with three. So I just want to kind of get your idea, your uh, your thoughts on how the three of them did, and obviously then we had uh, a, a fourth come in when Geraldo went off injured. How how do you pronounce um the young lad's name? Vasconcelos. I, Vasconcelos. I think. Does that okay. does that sound? It sounds right, right? Like, yeah, like it sounds yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. Vasconcelos. Uh, um, yeah, yeah. I thought I thought they all they all did well. Um, start. Let's start with Armin Wilson. I still I, I like him. I like him. Me too. I, he he's still. I think he's still playing within himself a little bit, but I like him. He's. He's got a real ease to how he moves, I think, like a real smoothness to everything he does. Like you see some players who carry their bodies really awkwardly and they kind of they always look like they're 100 percent with every action they do, like the very limits of their physical capabilities. But he's the opposite of that. He always kind of he kind of takes the ball smoothly. He's 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 got quite malleable hips so he can move quite easily, he glides across the turf. Like, malleable he never hips. Looks- <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so look, this is an audio it. audio thing, so you can't see me moving. But basically, Shakira right now. Um, but he like he moves very smoothly across the pitch. So I like I like him. He's a classy operator, and I feel like and I go back to I feel like I reference his podcast a lot. The one you did with Jed and his primary job at Wanderers being well, not primary, but one of his jobs at Wonder is working with individuals and, and noticing the limitations in their game and. And I feel like I feel like he'll enjoy working with Armin Wilson because he's a player with a lot of attributes, but there's definitely kind of there's there's a lot of space for him to grow into as a yeah. player. So yeah, going into next season, I'm excited to see how he develops. And I thought he was very clean, very very good again. Sorry, go on. So, yeah, he can't he compliments uh, Caligari really well. I think he's a uh, you know like we, we, there's always that kind of Caligari plus one. And I think yeah. he, he just slots in there and you wouldn't think that you're missing Mo Omar or Rampersad. I think that he just really slots in there and, and does really well. But as you said, it does seem like there's like another level for him to go to. And um, I'm excited to see him next year too. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, mate, if you'd be like Chavi playing next to Lorenzo as well, like he, he makes, <laughs> he can make anyone look good, but uh, not, not to take away from Wilson at all. Um, but yeah, Coimbra as well, kind of, I, I thought, he he felt a bit disconnected from the rest of the team on 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 Friday night, but I I love him as a player. Like I I, I would I if, if I was the coach, I'd have he'd probably have quite a few more starts. And I imagine he's been injured, and that's why he hasn't got, got them. But yeah, I love him as a player. Very physical, puts himself about. And I think like with someone like him, you can use him in two ways, depending on how you want to play, because he is so energetic and does love to press. You can either say with the opposition we're playing, we want to have a lot of energy from the start, press really heavily from the start. You'd probably use someone like him in that situation. Or you might say first half, first 60 minutes, we we, we want control. We don't want it to be chaotic and pressy. We just want to control the game. 
Therefore, I don't think you would start him. You'd probably start a Peruzza or or a Morelli or whoever's who'd fit at the time. But um, yeah, I, I like Coimbra a lot. I just I don't think it was necessarily his day, which wasn't his fault. He was wasn't getting found. Um, Geraldo, it's a shame he went off injured. I hope it's nothing too serious. What was interesting was with him was that he was being played as a right winger and Daniels was playing centrally. And that's the second game in a row that Daniels has started as a 10. And I think that's a interesting discussion point as well. Like what the coaches have noticed to kind of gravitate Aidan Daniels from being a right winger who clips in to kind of more of a true 10 who plays in the left half space and why they've done that. And I think I think he looks good there. But going back to Geraldo, yeah, he looked he looked he looked great until his injury. Um and the young lad, the young lad came on and just this ball of energy and life and he seemed to be so <laughs> delighted like I love I love seeing players when they don't look nervous they just look happy like when he was coming off the smile on his face and before he came on the smile on his face and he's kind of at that beautiful age where the self-doubt isn't there yet and he's just a kid who clearly loves football and he made his professional debut at what like 18 and just such a good moment for him amazing moment for his family because anyone who's kind of like been around the the semi-pro game or the youth football game knows how much sacrifice families have to make to get their kids to that level so wonderful moment for them and he looked he looked really good like he looked fearless and a couple of nice little bursts and he, he reminded me a bit of Kodai I don't know why Kodai either from the first season just like kind of a Duracell battery of energy and like yeah delighted for him so I thought the under 21s all did good and I bet Patrice is incredibly relieved that no one's going to ask him about under 21 minutes again for at least another six months or so. Yeah, uh, it, it was kind of like they're almost like the counting it down on the uh, on the, the broadcast. But I, I just just back to your point there on uh, Vasconcelos, like uh, Jimmy Brennan brought the, the same kind of point as what you're saying there that like he just he was like, you know, this kid, he looks decent. But he just—he was just loving the fact that he was like willing to make runs, and the the occasion didn't uh, overwhelm him. He was just properly into it. And when he came off, like the smile was just—that's that's what you kind of like. That's that's the one one of the great things about the league is that you know just a, a kid like that is getting an opportunity to uh, to play professionally. Like and like obviously, League One is amazing and all that kind of good stuff. But to actually, play like a, a full professional at such a young age and. Just to see him love every minute of it was was really cool. Did you see? Um, I can't. I don't. I can't remember if it was his Instagram or Daniel Henry's Instagram as well. Uh, it looks like Daniel took him out to dinner to Bicycle Thief because he had a plate, he had a little plate of cake uh, with Daniel and it said congratulations in chocolate. That's amazing. Lovely little smile on his face and just like if if. If that kid, if you could go back to that six months ago and say to that kid, like in six months, Canadian national men's team central defender is going to be taking you out to dinner to congratulate you on your first professional experience, like it'd be like I'm dreaming, mate. Pinch me. So yeah, I like. I, I love, that, I love but... that Daniel's done that as well. Yeah, that, that, I, I didn't see that, but uh, that's that's really cool. Um, I I did want to kind of uh just get your opinion on something too. Like you, you did you did tweet out, and I'm just going to read your tweet because. Uh, so to make sure I'm not For misquoting you. Say, you know, get me, get me in trouble again. Uh, it's not, it's not getting in trouble at all. It's actually a really nice tweet. Uh, Massimo Ferran's most underrated quality is how often he's the first scorer in games. The ability to score the first goal, especially in tight games, is so important. 
lots of stat patterns in this league, but he isn't one. So, uh, first question: um, What is it about his his style of play that gets him into those kind of positions? And do you think that he's an under the radar player of the year contender? So the thing with Massimo Ferrin is, like as we talked about earlier, the way our games go at the moment and how gone for a lot of the season is there's no central space the only area there's space is on the wings because teams know we like to play through them areas so what we do with Massimo Ferrin is we tend to tell him you're basically going to get chalk on your boots all match left hand side stand on the touchline always be the free man and normally teams are fine with that normally teams are like okay leave a player wide in space because once by the time the ball gets to them, we're going to be able to shuffle over our defenders, go tight on him, take the ball off him, attacks over. But Massimo Ferrin's superpower is his ability to separate in those situations. So you play that ball into him in that area and he can separate from the fullback. He can separate from the defensive midfielder who comes over and covers him because he's got such good tight control. He protects the ball so well, like, the way he receives the ball and angles his body and the lower body strength he's got to accelerate away from those players is is outstanding for this level, honestly. Um, so by being our spare man a lot and also having the ability to make the most of that, which not many players can do, means he finds himself in, in those sorts of positions a lot. And he always, like, I feel like nearly all of his goals have come from that hole like in kind of the analytics world they call it zone 14 it's like that hole just in front of the 18 yard box and I feel like a lot of his goals come from that position and if if you kind of go through them all in your head you're like okay the Forge one did yep the one against Valor did the one against Ottawa like they all come from a similar position so and that's because he can separate from the left hand side he can kind of invert with the ball into that pit area of the pitch and He's, he's a very precise shooter from distance as well. So he he's the player we've got that breaks open games. And I, I feel like someone someone pulled me up on that tweet and pointed back to me like, is that really an ability? And I know what he I know what he meant. I know what he means by saying that, because it's not like having a good first touch or it's like kind of an intangible soft factor of thing, isn't it? But I do think it's an ability because scoring the first goal that consistently is different from scoring the third goal a lot. Like, I, I I really do believe that that is a quality. And I, I, I don't know how to kind of, I don't know how to like give language to what that quality is. I don't know how to define it, but it is a quality. It is an ability. And, and yeah, he's got it. He's, well, he's wonderful. Well, it, I, I love him. It's having the confidence to uh, to take a chance like that in a tight game because an awful lot of players don't want to be uh, like, taking those kind of chances on just in case like they fuck it up kind of thing like having the confidence uh but as you said like i mean that ball that was played in from dan nimick was a really good ball but it was played at a pace and being able to control oh. it the way he did and then to finish it like it, it was top drawer like that was, <laughs> that was a really he, good goal he's 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 gotta be in the player of the year conversation for us now i think maybe we'll probably do this on a future pod but in my opinion, it's him, Nimic and Lorenzo now as three-way, and you can make an argument for any of them. But do you think you'll see him on like being uh, mentioned in the the league itself? Because like I mean, they always just seem to talk about uh, Lorenzo and, and and Dan Nimic. He just kind of is always kind of 
an afterthought. Obviously, like he's he's had a couple of like Gatorade man of the matches, kind of whatever it is that they do. But like when they're talking about player of the year, they never seem to like just bring him up. But I mean, he's been... he's he's fallen into that like Paul Scholes, Michael Carrick category of player where everyone Six says picks. they're underrated. Every, yeah. like, that's the thing. Like, but everyone says they're underrated, so therefore they are rated because we all kind of. But he is. Yeah, I know what you mean. He does. He does. And I think because he's an attacking player and the league media, understandably, have already got like kind of their attacking player narratives that they've been spent the yeah. season building. And and like the same way Dan Nimick is kind of part of the defensive narrative from the league about like the success stories. So to then insert Ferrin into that group would probably have to rewrite a few articles but i think like i think like the coaching staff recognize how good he is the support of the wondrous supporters recognize how good he is and and i imagine there's some scouts out there who also recognize how good he is i know i was finding it funny that like you know i was like i'm not fucking rewriting this thing i'm not yeah. <laughs> i've been working on this thing for a fucking month oh, they've got off. enough on their plates <laughs> So, so um, we were kind of chatting, uh, like about what we we're going to talk about tonight and stuff like that. And one of my one of my things I wanted to ask you uh, is like, like there was there was a spell during that game when we were like they hit the post and it was kind of almost towards uh, the end of the the first half where they were kind of putting us under pressure. We just seemed to be not able to get out of almost our our own half. We were kind of just lumping the ball forward, hoping Coimbra could run after it, and then. The energy when we came out of the second half was very, very different. So your Patrice guys are what would what would have been your halftime uh team talk to kind of for the team to come out and play the way they did in the second half? Um I I kind of not tactically I'm talking here, but like kind of just on an emotional level. I'd have just like I put this in a tweet, but I'd have reminded them that they're playing with house money now, and I'd I'd like encourage them to have a lightness to what they're doing, and I I I kind of mean that for the playoff games as well, not just the second half of that game. Like ever since we ever since we beat Forge, and ever since we knew we had a home game, that is targets one and two for the season have been met, like big time met, not just not just a little bit met. Like so, as soon as we've finished higher than last season we've made the playoffs and now we've made the playoffs to have a home game I would hope that any kind of pressure the players were feeling was, would just dissipate and I hope that they were reminded of that at half time that like boys just play with a lightness now you've you've kind of exceeded expectations by quite a large margin and yeah. and just enjoy your football now and I'd, I'd say that goes for not just the second half against Valor I'd say that goes for this Saturday's game against Pacific or or, or York or whoever we play because no matter what like the don't carry fear with you as a team because like the worst case scenario on Saturday is you lose that game and that is not a worst case scenario because we've already done so much more than we thought we'd do this season people have fallen back in love with this football club there's a wonderful vibe and mood around the team well, like we're all supporters, we're all in love, aren't we? We're we're yeah. besotted at the moment, and and that's such a credit to everyone associated with the club. So even if we lose, like who gives a shit really? Because we've it feels like we've kind of got our team, we've got our club. So I hope the players are reminded of that and they have a lightness to what they do. And I just, I just really, just really want them to get to the point where they're enjoying this experience and seeing it as like an opportunity and a challenge to thrive off rather than something to feel stressed about. And, and I'm not, I'm not saying in the first half against Valor, they did seem particularly stressed, but 
I thought in the second half there was a lot more attacking freedom and they seem to be playing with a lot more joy. It's and 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 kind of to go back to more boring tactical stuff. I think after we scored, we were able to bring on some first team caliber players like Mo and Rampy came on, adults came on to really solidify the performance. Henry came on. And when you've kind of built the squad that we've now got, you're able to do that because we're not bringing on kind of second stringers. We're bringing on bona fide starters who can really shore up the game. And yeah, that was, I, I, that would have been a shit halftime message if you said everything I just said then, but yeah. No, no, I, I, I think, uh, you know, it, it, you're right. I mean, it's, as you said, like you're, you're playing my house money. It's uh, like, it just kind of seemed like everybody was uptight and tense. Mm. And then when yeah, it came yeah. out, they just kind of seemed a bit of freedom. So, I would say it probably would have been along those lines, you know. It's like uh everything, like in the playoff side of things, is just a bonus because, like, we I think everybody would have been happy with if we didn't come last. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. the fact that we were able to to blow that out of water and uh, set up our first ever um, playoff game at home, like, can't wait. I can't yeah. wait for Saturday. Yeah. I'm I'm. It's gonna be buzzing, like, yeah. like how, how yeah. quick, like you know, that they were. I, I feel like we're we're, we're Halifax. They kind of they they latch up like the media and stuff, <laughs> like latch onto to things because it's a good narrative for the league. But it is absolutely incredible when you think about it that they sold out a game of football when nobody knew when the fucking game. <laughs> to me, that, 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 that that's just incredible. Like, and it just shows yeah. you like how the, the 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 city has really like bought into the, the club here, and obviously the great job that. Uh, Derek and the marketing team do too because it was just as soon as that was like we knew what was happening Derek was tweeting saying like like these tickets are going to go fast and it just kind of gets everybody like to give a ticket I, I, I feel like I feel like the Halifax market is very kind of European in how they approach being supporters and, and I've been thinking about that this week because and God, I, like, I, I don't want to get flack for this but like just reading some of the Ottawa responses to going out of the playoffs and and again, I'm going to caveat this to say that we're not perfect as a supporter group either. Like yep. when we were shit, like there were people, um, and we all know who one of those people <laughs> was, but there were people who were like quite vocally complaining. But I think like we've this is the first year really with fans in the stadium where we've been successful. Yeah, we have still kind of always sold out throughout the years, even when we've been a bit shit. But reading reading some of the Ottawa supporters responses to the club like there's a lot of like we deserve better like and it's, it's almost like lace of a bit of a threat like we might not come if we have a bad season and if you like you like back home like you get Sunderland selling out League 2 for like 40,000 in League 2 and stuff don't you it's like kind of going to getting your season ticket and going to the game isn't relying on success it's just that's your community and you almost kind of like have gallows humor about it like if yeah. you're shit it's quite funny and like yeah we should do a bit shit but we're still going to go every week um and i think halifax has got a bit of that about it so even when we were shit people were still going every week so now we're good yeah we're going to sell out in 5 minutes basically because it's a hot ticket so that kind of brings along all the more casual fans as well who really want a piece of it but we've got a core of we've got a core of sickos haven't we who like we'll we'll be getting i'll be getting season tickets even if we finish bottom for the next 10 years straight and most most of us would but i feel like maybe other parts of the country aren't quite there yet but yeah i i did notice that like and i i think it's just um i think it was more 
the the fans were kind of pissed off with the way that the the season had ended because you know they were losing an awful lot in the last minute game. They had a bunch of games where they lost in the last minute, and uh, then they obviously got you know even the one against York really hurt a lot because it's York and it's like, like close yeah. to where they are. And I think that just that frustration kind of boiled over like a little bit. Um, so mm. I just say I think that's probably just it because they've they've been yeah. to the ringer too because they obviously were when they're a new franchise that like they weren't so good. And then last year they surprised everybody. And then this year they came back and it's kind of been a bit of a, a, a crash back down to earth a little bit. And I just think it's probably them trying to work out what the, f- what the fuck happened, I guess. Right. So no, yeah, that's, that's fair. Yeah. I was probably being a bit, a bit unfair there. No, I don't think so. But one of my, one of my favorite football chants though is uh, when a team is shit and they're like, uh, you're nothing special. We lose every week. I just, <laughs> yeah, I just, yeah. It's like the gallows humor is best. I love that one. So. Or when they go one nil up and it's like, how shit must you be? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so um, I just thought we get into a couple of uh, the the readers' questions. And this one's from CB Keeper guy. Like we're going back a little bit here in time because like mm. obviously they're from like last week. But dodgy officiate, uh, officiating once again for both sides. This is the Forge game. What do other associations abroad do to measure referees' overall performance? Are there remedial efforts to bring up the standards? Are CPL officials actually concerned? So, like, this has been a kind of ongoing thing throughout the season about the level of uh, the refereeing in the league. And, you know, we, we saw the shit show, like, in a professional league and in the Premier League with the Liverpool-Tottenham uh, game. So, I mean, it, it, it happens everywhere. And, like, you know, everybody here in Canada thinks that uh, the video assistant referee is the answer to it, but it, it's it's not as you can see because sometimes <laughs> they get shit wrong too, right? So I, you know, I I hate I hate kind of p- picking on the refs because obviously it's a new league, blah, blah blah. But there has been some pretty bad games here, and you know, like in, in the Premier League, they, they do have um, an ex professional ref. I think that um, marks them that de- marks them up and down and stuff like that, and if they reach a certain threshold they get removed from certain games and i think that might be a way to go because like there's no it's it's kind of funny like there's no there's no kind of comeback there's no you don't hear responses about any of the kind of bad decisions that we've seen which i think doesn't help either there's no open dialogue as to why this happened or apologies for mistakes which i think they need to have some sort of like over seer of the referees and be able to come out and say you know this is what happened apologies but you know what i mean so mm. um i think that's something that they might need to look at just to be a little bit more transparent because it just seems that there was a time it must be like three or four games in a row whether it's just like dodgy penalties or uh you know we missed uh miss missed uh stuff and things like that and uh, i just think that they need to just be a little bit more open about the processes. How about you? Um no I think I think you you said it all beautifully mate. I can't really add to that. You know, you know my thoughts on VAR and how much I hate it, so I'm not going to bore everyone with another rant about that. Um but yeah, refs I don't think the CPL's any worse than a lot of other leagues to be honest. We just every league is moaning about the refs constantly. It's just part of being a supporter. Yeah, and, and that's the thing like that's that's a lot of times it's it's where you go to. It's like it's blame the refs on it, and when sometimes you kind of need to look at like what what your team is doing. You know what I mean? So uh, anyway, uh, I I do I do think they need to do something next season just to kind of be a little bit more transparent. Um, this one's from Span Pearson. Who would be your starting eleven for the playoffs? 
Oh, such a difficult question. I think um, I think if you polled everyone listening, including ourselves, we would ninety nine percent of us would come up with eight of the eleven. I think. I, I think, think so too. I think Jan would all say obviously. Yeah. We'd all we'd all say Zach Fernandez right back. We'd say Dan Nimick right centre back. We'd say Kale Offrey left centre back. We'd say I'd, I'd say eighty five percent of us would say Timoteo left centre left back. Some might say Ruby. Um, we'd say Lorenzo as one of the sixes. We'd say, um, we'd say Ferrin as a left winger, and we'd yep. say Aidan Daniels as either the ten or the right winger. So the three the three positions, in my opinion, that are, that are up for grabs would be the other six. Would be the who are you putting in there? Omar Rampy. That's the question, isn't it? Yeah. Or, or even Wilson. Wilson might have played himself into contention as well. Um, I would say, like, I don't, I don't know. I really don't know. You could, you could convince I, I, I me think, either way. I, I think we'll probably see well Omar starting because he's been generally been the the go-to guy uh, this season. So I think we might see him starting with maybe Rampy coming on if things aren't going so well. I agree, yeah, because I can't remember the last time Rampy started. So whether that's kind of injury-related or not, but they obviously are really big on Mo at the moment. And I think he's been brilliant. Every game has started for about six weeks now. So yeah. understandable decision, regardless of how much we all love Rampy. So yeah, yeah, you could convince me Omar would be that other six. And I guess then the question is, who would you start out front, Coimbra or Peruzza? Slash, are you playing Daniels as a 10? In which case you need to pick another right winger or are you starting him as a right winger? In which case you need to choose out of Geraldo and Watson as the 10. So they're, they're the questions. Personally, I would start, I think... Yeah, I'd probably start Mo and Lorenzo as the double pivot. Ten, I, I quite like Daniels as a ten. Maybe Perutz are off the right and Coimbra centre forward. But I don't know, mate. I, I'm, I'm back and forth to be honest. I, I like Watson as well. If you if you're playing a team like Forge where you know you've got to do a lot of running and off the ball stuff, then Watson as a ten and Daniels as on the right. But yeah, it's really I, difficult. I, I'd, I'd probably put Daniels. I, I I actually prefer Daniels coming in from the right. Um... He's really good. He's really good at playing as a ten, but I just think he offers a little bit more coming in from that that side. And that you're right, you're just gonna leave a little bit of a gap in the middle. But I, I'd probably put uh, Carl Watson probably. Yeah, I I think I I've just changed my mind, and I agree with you. Like when <laughs> like talking about Daniels there, like. I like him from the right because he can drive into central areas with the ball at his feet rather than kind of receiving it in a, in a pocket with with people all around him. And yeah, I think he's more dangerous like that. But yeah, I I, I could be convinced either way. It's, it's a good, they're good, good problems for the coaching staff to have, I think. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like then up front, you know, it's, it's kind of, uh, I think Keimer gives you um like his, Work rate is phenomenal. I think he gives you that. But then, like Peruta, which I've been guilty of being like a little bit not not enamored with him in many ways. But I actually, uh, the, one of the last games he played, I actually like watched him like from behind the goal, mm. and he's so clever with the runs that he makes. Yeah, um, like he he really drags defenders out of position and opens up space for other people. And I I'd never. I didn't really notice that side of his game before, and I think he does actually bring uh, something a little bit different. That he's kind of a smart footballer, like like that. And I think 
sometimes we're very slow to also pick out when he does make a really good one. I think sometimes like we need to get our head up a little more and um because mm. we do play side to side an awful lot. So I think sometimes you just get your head up and uh, I think that's where Daniels comes in as well. He's like really good at that. So yeah, yeah I, 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 I really I really like Paritza mate. I've I I I took me a while, it took me a couple of games to kind of understand what he is. Um and once that kind of clicked with me like you said, his his off of the ball stuff is incredible. Some of the runs he makes are absolutely fantastic. I feel like the level of technical security he gives us has gone up a lot in the past few weeks, which is completely understandable because he hadn't played much football over the past six months or so. So yep. of course, like he needed a run of games for the, the first touch to come back. And I feel like he's he offers you different things at different times like he can play off the right and kind of cutting in on his left foot but he's also you can also play back to goal like kind of soft feet lay off wall passes and he can also spin in and like make really intelligent runs so I, I think if he'd have been with us since the start of the season his stock would be really high because everyone around him would be used to him by now and yeah like I, I I'm you know what I fancy is Saturday I fancy a Lorenzo lofted assist for a Peruzza one-on-one goal is my very specific prediction you, you heard it here first uh <laughs> hopefully it's not a uh like a 5-1 loss and that's <laughs> a consolation goal yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm still having it as a win <laughs> so so uh, thank you for everybody for your questions i'm sorry if we didn't get to them all but um it, it's just as as i said uh life kind of got in our way a little bit like last week have, but, uh, have just... we gone long enough for dave uh, I, I I don't know I don't know I I did actually have one more topic just to kind of get out of the way okay. before we uh, Dave I think up. we're at about forty five minutes so we'll give you another ten yep uh, so uh, big piece of news this week too was uh the news that the uh, the women's team are coming here on the uh, the thirty first of October just want to kind of get your thoughts of a uh what it means for the the city and the stadium but uh, also it's gonna be weird. I, I, I was just kind of thinking about your day. Like, you know, it's, it is amazing that they're coming here and, you know, to come to Halifax. I, I saw it as probably like the first time a, a, a national team has come to Nova Scotia to play a game, blah, 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 blah. But it's just so odd, like, thinking of a national team playing in the stadium that doesn't have <laughs> running water <laughs> and sh- shipping containers with dress rooms. It's fucking mental. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh <laughs> uh, dear, dear! But it, it it's definitely going to be a set. Like I, I, I'd imagine it's going to be like a, a playoff game here, where the tickets are probably going to go in two seconds. And I think a wonder season ticket holders got like a special eleventh. Mm, I think, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, what, what, do, what, what do, what do you think of the news? It's brilliant, isn't it? I, there's, there's nothing negative you can possibly say about it. It's just brilliant, and like Derek and. I'm sure Derek and his team had been working. Well, I think they've been working on that for about six years, haven't they? Because I've heard him mention at different events we've gone to with him about how he's tried to get them there before. Yeah. And I felt like I might be putting words in his mouth here, but I feel like he said before that they didn't consider consider the facilities to be at the right level or something like that. So maybe they're going to install something temporary for the game. But yeah, just I'm sure that's been a huge labor of love for him and his team to get that game here. And just what a fantastic thing for the city. And like, if you I don't, I don't like this, it's ridiculous for us to have this kind of debate, not debate on here, but like, because everyone listening to this is obviously not part of the friends of the Halifax common. Like everyone listening yeah. to this is 
a supporter of the club probably and wants a stadium there but it just really hammers home once again like how fucked it is that they cannot see how something like this is so much better than it being a muddy bit of land that hardly anyone used like we've got the national the national women's team coming to the city that's amazing for the olympic winners coming exactly that's amazing and none of this happens if this club doesn't exist and the vision of Derek and his team doesn't exist. And it's, it's just like, it's brilliant, but it's also infuriating that that side, their side of the argument is still given so much airtime because how can this not be a wonderful thing for so many people? Yeah, but yeah, man, it's, it, it's amazing. And it, it's definitely going to go a long way in convincing the city that Halifax is now destination for, uh, for well, they should already be convinced because like there's the national rugby team's been here a bunch of times. Mm. Uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if this is part of a larger thing towards if we have the stadium permanently, Derek giving it the big sell to Canada Soccer for have for Halifax to be like the the women's team's home ground essentially. It would be incredible, huh? Yeah, I'd love something like that. I I think it'd be very difficult for them to get them out of Toronto, but the fact that like. Then to do Montreal and like and Halifax is it's great news, and I think it won't be long until we might see a men's game here too. Because you know if they're playing in the Concacaf qualifiers or something, and it's like a mm. kind of a, a, a smaller game, and um, we might see some of that here too. So well, it'd be it'd be nice to see Dan Nimick back at the grounds in that case, wouldn't it? No, no. Well, unless he's playing for Ireland, so uh, I'm, I'm still. Trying <laughs> I saw to... you. I saw you fucking giving it like. Doing I, oh, a bit I'm, not, I'm still like uh, every every chance I get. Like uh, I'm like I keep saying, I'm, I'm sure I piss him off, but uh, like we need him more. <laughs> well, to be honest, mate, if fucking Harry Maguire is getting into the England squad still, then there's a case <laughs> to be made for Danny Nimick. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, Dan, Dan for England. There we go. We will. Well, you know what? You know what will happen? He'll play for Ireland for a couple of games, and then England will take him. So, <laughs> exactly, uh, yeah. <laughs> so man, it's uh, it was good to catch up. Uh, it's it's great once again that we're kind of coming in off a great result. Um, fantastic to get away in a way win, which. I think we need it coming into the, the playoffs if if we want to get anywhere. So, um, yeah, man, I'll see you on Saturday. Looking forward to it, mate. See you in a bit. Cheers, buddy. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Folks, please. Right, folks, please. Time to drink on folks. Get out. Out to